What is going on, military cash flow family? Today it's going to be. A, we got a great guest. We got the uh, the third member of the team on. Um, we've heard. We we've talked a lot about him. But uh, first off, what's going on with you, Mike? How, how you doing? And I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You can see I've, I've been working on the studio setup. So I got a little glowing lights in the back. Got a little filler lamp light something here. You know, trying to step up my YouTube quality game. You got the power um, of the glow, man. Like you are the last dragon. I don't know exactly. if anybody catches on to that one, Bruce Lee. Yeah. Right <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's Raya or if that's like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm chilling, man. Um, the the loan side of the house is going well. So again, for anybody who's out there looking for hard money loans, and when I say hard money, it's really institutional for LLCs and investments all across the nation. Fix and flip. You name it, multifamily storage centers, retail center, all that good stuff. I got you guys. Um, but it's going really well. Uh, getting getting that uh, you know kind of off the ground a little bit and yeah man I'm excited about today's episode what about you man what's going on uh, nothing much man uh just I'm excited about today's episode as well um I am gonna go out on a bike ride with my kids uh, my both of my kids learned how to ride two wheel bikes yesterday or the day before yesterday so now I'm like we're really pumped up they're you know they're turning right and they're they were able to kick off by themselves little small wins man little small wins that make you proud as a dad you know what I mean yep. so it's yep. really really cool I love uh I love this so now my wife and I've got to go get bikes um so we can actually go on family bike rides now so it's going to be uh, nice. pretty fun before we usually do the scooter rides but now we're on to the bikes big boy toys but um but yeah man that's pretty much what's up with me um real estate front going, you know, it's, it's still going pretty passive. No, no really issue, no real issues there. So loving that and working through my, uh, I did close last week on, um, one of my four units as far as refinancing. So that'll save me in a, about 160, 170 bucks a month, uh, or, you know, paying less in, uh, for pity. And then, um, so that's awesome. And then finishing up my next refi with you, uh, just waiting on the appraisal. Um, I think that's happening in a couple of weeks are backed up. So, so that I'm looking good on that one. So excited about that as well. So real estate's going well, no real issues there. Just uh, outside of that, just living life. Um, onto our guest, uh, the man, the, the myth, the legend, Wazim uh, with DTL Studios. Uh, for you, for those of you guys who don't know, he is uh, the person that does all of our, you know, social media. He edits our videos. He and his team, uh, do that stuff for us. And it's, it's pretty cool, man. Cause when we first started working with Wazim a couple of years ago, um, I specifically remember asking, Hey, what are you trying to build to what, you know, kind of, what are your goals? What are you, what are you looking to do? And we talked about, it and he's like, yeah, I want to build out a team. I want to grow to this level and I want to do this. And, and he's he, all, the, all of those things have started to come for, to fruition. And it's just so awesome to see, man. Like he's got, I think he said a 12 man team now, um, a couple yep. full-time people and he's just rocking it, dude. He's literally, he literally did everything that he, he set out to do and he's continuing to grow. Um, and it's just, it's just awesome, man. I, I just, I just love it. Mike. Yeah, man. That, I can't say enough about this guy. He, you know, I've, I've got three pages of notes. And for those who watch the videos, you know, I'm always taking notes when, when our uh, guests are speaking, I've got over three pages of just solid gold, man. As Dan mentioned, he has a team of 12. He has over 100 clients and a majority of them are working in that real estate space, right? Real estate investors, uh, agents and things like that. And when you think about the mindset difference between branding and real estate, real estate is so much in the now, watch my spending. I need the ROI immediately. How quickly can I get the money back out, right? All that good stuff. And he talks about how marketing is the complete opposite. It's how can I invest as much as I can right now for the payout in five to seven years. So it, it's so in, insightful to think of it in that manner because it truly is an investment, but with a different, with a different measurable return or an intangible return, if that makes sense. So, I mean, I can't do the, 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 the content justice enough. And I'm really excited to dive into this and he's, we're giving him a call after this anyway. We're going to talk to him more. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cash Flow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. 
We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, military cash flow? Today, we got a special, special guest. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Wazim, is in the house. And I know you've heard us talk a lot about him. Uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Hey, Wazim, can you please give us a little bit of information about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do? All right, thanks, guys, for having me. You know, 100 episodes later, it's good to be on the platform. Uh, so a little bit about me. I'm Wasim. I'm from Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, I grew up overseas in Dublin, Ireland, and then when I was 22, came back to Cape Town, and I've been back ever since. Uh, apart from like about nine months in between all of that. Uh, right now, I run a content creation agency and we specialize in real estate and real estate teams and just everybody that's basically in the real estate sector with marketing, social media, and advertising. Yeah. So, so this is dope, man. He's the been everywhere, guys. Yeah, I know. Like, we we stepping over each other. Yeah, man. But he's been everywhere, guys. But this dude, when he says content creation agency, man, this is this is something that we use often. Uh, we always drop his name in the episode, but he doesn't only help us. He helps, I mean, now hundreds of real estate entrepreneurs, investors, and everything else really build out their brand and their their personal image for what they want their business uh, to be. So uh, I want to dig into that a little bit about how that journey kind of started for you you know what i mean like what what was your background like did you study something in school when did this start becoming a thing for you uh so my background is in post-production right so that is video editing and creating videos i studied creative digital media and that's what my degree was in and after college i started freelancing as a documentary editor for a tv station that i had interned with while i was in college they just kept giving me work. And then when I moved back to South Africa, my first job here was for a corporate company. So I was handling clients in the insurance sector and cars. So like Zurich and Jaguar Land Rover. So we would make corporate promos and whatever events they were shooting at the time, we would edit that, kind of make like, you know, promotional videos for them. And then I just continued in the post-production side of things because there's a lot of different things that you can be doing as a post-production artist. It's editing, animating, visual effects, calibrating. And I just kept building out my skills as a post-production artist. So then I went on to e-learning and I worked for e-learning companies and I you know, worked for like Toyota, Oxford, Cambridge, those kind of creating the online offerings and the videos that they have when you're doing like a virtual degree or an online program with them. And then I just continued on working in post-production and then I went into advertising. Advertising agency was probably the biggest experience that allowed me to get to where I am today because that was just nonstop learning. So growing as an artist, the people that I was surrounded by, they were experts in what they were doing and they weren't afraid necessarily to share the information and the knowledge they weren't like threatened because it can be very like that culture of look I don't want to share because maybe you could take my job in the future so when you work with people that are so far ahead of you they never have that feeling they're comfortable completely sharing everything with you sharing all the knowledge and if you're ready to take it you can really like accelerate your growth five six seven eight times compared to like just working in a normal environment where everybody's trying to compete. So that was a huge opportunity for me. And that's when I started doing television ads. I started doing digital campaigns for big brands. Really started to like experience the world of post-production where you'd be calibrating visual effects, rotoscoping, like big things and building out my skill set. And then from there, I left that job uh, to go back to Ireland because that's where my family and my mom and my siblings were at the time. But unknown to me at the time was that they had revoked my citizenship in Ireland. So when I came there, they wouldn't let me in the country. And the only way they would allow me into the country was if I claimed to be a refugee and I set up that status. So then they allowed me into the country, but then I was there for about nine months. 
just trying to figure out like how I could change the status in the country because like my parents and my siblings, they're all citizens and everything and they're living over there, but uh, they wouldn't give me that status. So I just made the decision that I didn't want to stay there and I was going to have to do something about that. So I left, came back to South Africa, uh, pretty much without a plan or budget or anything. It was, I cashed out my um, like retirement account that I had from the agency. I used that for like my first month's rent. And then I was just like, all right, well, now we've got to make something work. And so I started freelancing every single month, just, you know, trying to get from the start of the month to the end of the month, just pay the bills, just get rent, cool. And I did that for probably about a year, right? So that was 2019. I was just hustling 24 seven, trying to get the freelancing business going off. And then probably about December of that year, I had like a conversation with one of my best friends and we were just this, I can't keep doing this because I've got a, I'm constantly worrying about how I'm gonna be able to pay bills at the end of the month, even though this could take off and it could be very lucrative and could build something out of it. It's still super risky and there's a lot going on, just the mental stress, like of constantly having to worry about that. So then I started applying for jobs January got a nine to five position. So it started that in February. So then from February, 2020 to about September, I basically worked like hundred hours a week. Just wake up early in the morning, work out, do the freelance, manage all the clients thing, do the nine to five, which was at the time, luckily for me, that super flexible hours. I worked 10 to six finish there at six, handle, send all emails, messages, deal with clients so that they always feel like I'm online, then come home, work on freelance business. And I just keep building that out. And I started hiring a few freelancers at the time and they started helping me and started building that kind of side of the business out. And then September, 2020, I had my first full-time employee, quit the nine to five the next month, October. I went full-time into the business and then since then it's just been non-stop building content creating advertising marketing and i've been able to grow to now the point where i've got more than 100 clients the real estate division is probably the biggest sole like focus of the company but we also work with a lot of different brands so we create youtube content social media content advertising content e-learning content you name it from a post-production standpoint, everything that I had in my career, all the experience and the different jobs that I had, and I brought that to the company and now we offer those services. And it's just been nonstop from there. Yo, bravo, man, bravo. So you you gave us the full rundown, right? And now let's let's unpackage some of that. One thing that I really took away that, well, the main thing that I took away is, you know, you went and you got the experience you worked for, you know, you did the nine to five. Well, one, you went and educated yourself, went to university, you went and um, did some internships while you're there. Then you went and got your career to apply those skills that you learned, sharpen those skills. Right. And then you, you did the hustle where you did both at the same time, nine to five and created the, and working, you know, the side hustle at the same time until the side hustle became the main hustle. Right. And now you're, now you're, you know, um, you're living off the fruits and you're continuing to build, uh, that side hustle as well. And I just, I commend you so much because a lot of people aren't willing to, to take that route. I mean, that was a, that's, I mean, when do you, when do you go to college? When did you start the journey in college? What year was it? Uh, 2010. So we're talking, and it's 20, it's 2021 right now. So we're talking about really about 11 years worth of kind of grinding and working towards a goal. Right. So, and, and a lot of people aren't willing to take that route. A lot of people are are just trying to, Hey, how do I get, how do I get there tomorrow? You know, how do I build this business tomorrow? And it's not really trying to, to take the time and the steps necessary to really do it the right way. So I really commend you about that, but let's, let's take it back to, um, the, the mindset of nine to five, working the nine to five and building out the side, the side hustle and how you, how you kind of like navigated that to, to make sure that, you know, you're doing both and, and you're still staying focused regardless of how long it took. Because I, I think that that key piece is the, is the hardest piece for most people to overcome. 
you know, to, to stay motivated through that time period? What were you doing there and, and what, what was keeping you motivated? I think, you know, this podcast comes with a lot of motivation, like dips, it comes and goes. You can't rely on the motivation, right? You've got to have that why that's actually going to get you out of bed. And for me, that why was probably two things. One, I had a lot of debt. So, you know, at the, <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to pay bills. And then two, uh, I think the first month that I was working the nine to five and running the business, that was the most money I'd ever seen. Like in my, I was like, God damn, it's a lot of money. <laughs> so I, I realized that, listen, if I can do this, like mentally and, and physically, it wasn't feasible to maintain that for a year or two years. I knew I couldn't maintain this for too long, but I could take advantage for as long as I could of it and, you know, get as far ahead as it would allow me. So that was just the real, like, why for me was, look, you got to get out of there. You got to kind of build like a runway because I started freelancing without any runway, without any safety net, without any of this. So it was just like, listen, let's do things a little bit backwards. Now let's start building this runway, build the safety net, build the system, build the kind of business out to where now you can, okay, transition out of the working like 100 hours or something and, you know, maybe do a little bit less. So for me, I knew it wasn't feasible from the start, but like, again, I just had a conversation with my best friend. I was like, listen, if I can do this for six months, the amount of money I'm making right now can clear like 70% of my debt and give me this runway and I can start investing as well. So I started investing in the stock market as well. And I made some, you know, at that time that's 2020. So pretty much anybody who invested like March of 2020, which was the month after I started making a serious amount of, like I just put it all into investments. I was like, okay, I've got to focus, pay just enough to get a buy, pay the bills, pay the debt, but try and invest as much as possible. And I did that. And now like last month in August, I cashed out one of those investments and that was a nine return on that investment that I made last year. So it was just knowing that, listen, you can't do this forever, but you can set yourself up to a point where you don't need to do it forever. Yeah. I think it's extremely important that, you know, everybody needs to rewind and listen to that again, because the, the mindset of understanding that the grind is necessary for a short amount of time. Yeah, you can't sustain it, but you are willing to put that energy in. Now, you talked about the growth that you've had throughout your entire journey. Um, switching from those different types of components when it comes to media, digital production, post-production, all these things, and even how your mindset shifted from the time that you had to move back to South Africa to before you were actually standalone in October 2020, where you could quit that full-time job. I think that growth is is kind of understated a lot of the times, uh, just to, to like Dan's point, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes you know several years to really accomplish that. When you said that, uh, this is going to be a question about your, your mindset about money. You said that at the time when you had saw it, it was the most money you had ever seen. And now, although it's been a short amount of time, how has your mindset around money changed? And, and it can be anything. It's really just a free flow question, but I'm just curious how your mindset around money has changed from a child or, or even at a, as a new entrepreneur to where you are now. I think mindset-wise, I've been a lot more diligent about it. I used to, like, you know, just spend and not care. Like, for me, a sale used to be a, a sign of, like, oh, I'm cheap. I can't afford it. Like, I need to buy full price because, like, if I buy it on sale, then I'm cheap. Now it's like, hold on a minute. We need to check. What are we doing? How much are we investing? How much are we spending? Like, for me, I think something, another topic you guys cover is like lifestyle inflation. I don't, don't inflate your lifestyle. But for me, it was important to, I also think that sometimes you have to, because you have to, you have to be able to look around you and see like, listen, this is where I started. Look at where I am now. And if you're not inflating that lifestyle, it can have like negative impact on your mental health. Just because you're working like 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week, and you're like, what is this for? But if you can take a step back for five minutes in the day and you're like, oh, you know, living in a nice place, 
it helps get get through that. So when it comes to money, in terms of me spending it, I've definitely become a lot more diligent about how I do it. And But in terms of money, when it comes to the business side of things, I think I've been able to build the business by focusing on value. And so, for example, if a client wanted something done and they only paid for five hours, but I knew that it was going to take seven hours to get this to where they really needed to be, I would just put in that extra time and still build the five hours. Right. So by not focusing on the money as much upfront, I've now been able to reap the rewards of building that relationship and understanding that people know if you want a certain level of quality, boom, you will get it. it. And now I've been able to take that reputation and now monetize it. That's perfect. That's perfectly said. But I've actually never heard somebody say that you have to inflate your lifestyle just a little bit in order to make sure that you maintain your mental health. And I actually love that, that sentiment because many people don't really understand when you start a hustle, when you start a side hustle, a grind or whatever it is, everybody is super hyper-focused on the money. But like you said, be hyper-focused on the value. Your mindset around money will change. You know what I mean? And I love how you was like, yeah, you got to spend a little bit to enjoy it. You ain't out there buying Rolexes and yachts. But, you know, it's like, hey, let me get a, a safe apartment. Let me get some decent food. You know what I mean? So I, I really like that. Started from the bottom, now we here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I, set, I set a goal for myself because I like watches, right? So I set a goal for myself that at 28, I would buy a certain watch, like a Tissot level watch, 29, like a tag. And then at 30, I wanted to be able to afford a Hublot. And... Like that's an expensive sport when you when you think about it. But by by having those little goals and having those material, like okay, listen, you got to focus on that, and then being able to afford your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if I keep working like this and this is what I get, yo, let's do two hundred hours, and and it it makes that that hustle and that grind and like putting in all that work, it it makes it enjoyable to be honest. Yeah because you're seeing the results of it, you're seeing the fruits of it, and you're enjoying it. It's not, oh, I gotta work, and now I've gotta yep. invest all of this, and now I'm gonna wait until 20 years time, and I can pay it. No, no, I'm living for today, but with that mindset of also, listen, make sure you're investing, and you know, live for today, because you might be alive tomorrow. So what is what about tomorrow as well? So yeah, yeah. I have like certain goals that can push me there. So one of, my, one of my favorite speakers, Jim Rohn, he talks exactly about that, right? They're pretty much like micro goals or micro rewards for uh, certain certain waypoints along your bigger end goals. So if your large goal is I want 200, you know, 200 doors or something like that, um, when you get to 25 doors, all right, you, you, you can you can get this mini mini goal or mini reward for that mini goal right and that that helps you know motivate you along exactly like you're talking about with the hublot man now that, that's that's a, an expensive wash dude but um i mean if, if that's what's going to motivate you man to get to the next level then go ahead man that's awesome um yeah, i would say that motivates me because now with the mindset of like you have to invest and you have to ensure that you like building for tomorrow it's you've got to get to a point where spending that amount of money on a watch it's only a fraction yes. of what you're earning. So in order to earn that much, you've got to put the work in to get there. You've got to make the right decisions. You've got to make the right investments so that you have that amount and you don't have to think about the fact that it's expensive. It's not expensive. It's a fraction of a fraction of your portfolio. Yeah, I think I think that's super important, guys, because, all right, let's think about everybody who says, damn, should I, should I pay my bills or should I buy like the new Jordans? Should I do this or do that? When you're at that point in time where money has that much impact on you, you're not making enough. But to Wasim's point, at a certain time, when you're making enough money to you be like, yeah, 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 let's get those Jordans. Let's get that watch. That means that you have earned enough that that money is almost irrelevant or that amount is, is, is unimpactful in your investment journey and everything else. The reason why you see all of these rich people buying Maseratis, Lamborghinis, big ass yachts or whatever is because they make so much damn money that matter of fact, they need to because it's a tax write-off. Think about it. You feel me? Like, so now it seems like, no, 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 I got it. This is a marketing piece or whatever, which we're about to get into marketing here. But you got it. That's a whole different mindset, guys. You don't have to stunt for society. Make your money, grind, hustle. And now you know what? You can stunt out of necessity. And ain't nothing more powerful than that, baby. Speaking of, 
Speaking of mindset, Wasim, because we I want to talk to you mentioned something right before we got on here, and you said that you have over a hundred clients, and a majority of them are in the real estate world. And most of our clientele, most of our audience is, is real estate investors, real estate professionals. Now, uh, what do you see as being maybe some of the, the biggest synergies or biggest weak points between a real estate entrepreneur and them trying to build out their social media branding? in your world? I think when it comes to, to marketing and branding, right? Every agency knows that the last quarter of the year is when they make the most amount of money. That's because their clients are trying to get rid of the marketing budget and they're trying to spend it all so that next year they can go to corporate and say, we need more money for marketing, right? So they will burn through their money just to get it away. They don't want to have that money on the books. Right? And they'll put it into marketing and branding and invest in the brand of the company. Whereas the real estate mindset is very much focused on, I've got to save as much money as I possibly can. I've got to optimize everything that I do. I've got to maximize everything that I do so that I get a return on it. Whereas marketing and branding is about thinking, building for the future. Right? I think if you go to somebody in the real estate with the mindset that they have, and you tell them, listen, you've got to start this flip project and you're going to lose money every single month for the next six to seven years. How about that? Just the mindset already. It's by running the numbers, you're like, this is a terrible deal. Why would I ever even imagine doing this, right? But that is how marketing and branding experts will look at it. They will look at investing over the next six, seven, eight years because when that project is complete, they'll make that return on year eight and it'll be a hundred times what they put in over the last seven years. And then the next flip they do, it'll be the same hundred X return because they've built up a brand and they've marketed so well that everything they do has that hundred X return on it, right? I was, I was listening to an interview of a UFC fighter and she said, uh, like she was in the news because uh, 90% of her paycheck, she didn't get. And everybody's like, this is crazy. How, how could she not get paid? She's so well-known, right? And then she clarified and she's like, I'm willing to spend 90% of my paycheck because that's what it costs to build me up and build me as a brand, as a fighter. Because once I get that championship, that money means nothing. I will hit 20X what it costs me to get here. And every fight after that is a 20X Whereas in real estate, it's we analyze, we look at this deal, we run the numbers. Do the numbers come out positive? Yes, it's a good deal. Do the numbers come out negative? No, 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 no. I can't lose money. This is, this is a terrible deal. Why would I ever uh, enter into this? And that is what stops a lot of, I would say, people in the real estate mindset and the finance mindset of getting into the branding and marketing game because it requires a lot of upfront capital and foresight in order to build out something that can then generate a return for you. Uh, somebody in the real estate that I think everybody should maybe, like if you listen to these videos, right? Uh, Ryan Pineda, he made a video probably about two months ago where he's like, I work 35 hours a week and I run seven companies. Sounds pretty decent, like, you know, 35 hours a week with that many companies, that's quite nice. but. Of the 140 hours that he spends working, 40 hours on content creation for his social media and his YouTube channel that run at a loss. But because that marketing and branding power is behind him, he's able to leverage that, build out these six other companies that all make a profit and make enormous returns for him. So marketing and branding is about thinking for the future rather than analyzing and looking with a narrow mindset of just this particular month, this particular deal, this particular like focus. It's, we are going to burn through everything and we're gonna put everything into it so that we are gonna capitalize on it. Like Netflix, Uber, all of these startups, right? You will look at the earnings and they made a loss every quarter. Every quarter they're making a loss. Why? Because they take that money and they spend it more. Because when they do start making a profit, that's 100x return. 
every single time because they built up that brand. Uber is now, you don't say, oh, I'm going to take a ride, I'm going to take an Uber. Whether or not you're taking an Uber using Bolt or Lyft or whatever, like, oh yeah, just Uber. That is branding and marketing. That is the power that now when you see Uber, you can leverage that 20 times. So everything they do now, every other venture they undertake, it's a profitable venture because they have that brand behind them. All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our military cash flow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. And with that said, let's get back into this episode. I I never really even I never really like put much thought into it. Right. I mean, I hear it every now and again, especially with Grant Cardone. I think he's a prime example of what what you're talking about right now, Um, because he kind of people think, you know, he relatively came out of nowhere. But I mean, he was doing he was building his business for the longest time and he was very successful at building his business. But it wasn't until he like I think he even said it. he started spending like a million dollars. He was spending like all of his money basically on marketing, getting his brand out there. Right. That um, after doing that for a couple of years, it just exploded. And now whatever he touches, is he's got the Midas touch right now. Whatever he touches now is pretty much gold uh, because, you know, his name is associated with with real estate and wealth. Right. So I I never really thought about it like that and, and how long it takes to. I mean, it does take a long time and a lot of energy and money into into those marketing efforts to really realize that realize that money, uh, that uh, return. But once it's there, once it's established, you know, I, I, it's it's pretty much over from there. And that's that's extremely extremely interesting. I never really thought about that. Um, I never really thought about it like that. That's that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because I would if say, uh, no, go ahead, go ahead, we'll see. I would say if you think about it like this, right? If you see a Coca Cola ad. Right at the World Cup or Olympics or whatever. That ad costs them money, costs them crazy amounts. But it's not so that when you see that on the TV, you immediately go and buy Coca-Cola. It's so that the next time you are thinking about buying a drink, you already associate, okay, this is the brand that I'm going for because this is the brand that I know. It's about knowing that in future, we are going to get a return on this investment. Not a direct that we can measure it right now, but we'll be able to measure it in the future. And that's the and, hard part, uh, not knowing, not knowing when. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I will tell you guys, we preach this all the time in, in real estate, regardless if you're an investor or an agent, you want to be top of mind, which sounds exactly like what they're doing. Coca-Cola wants to be top of mind. As soon as you think drink, you associate it with Coca-Cola. It's the same thing in real estate. As soon as somebody thinks, I want to sell my house, damn, I'm hoping they call in Mike. I'm hoping they call in Dan, right? So it, it, it makes perfect sense but i guess all right so now i understand marketing on a corporate level on a high level because we're talking now ryan pineda right he's got seven fucking companies we got grant cardone i mean he owns half the world type of thing right what can a, a beginner investor or a wholesaler or an agent who's either just now starting or they don't intend to explode in seven years they just want to make sure that they're doing 10, 20 deals a year for the next five years. What's the number one thing they should focus on when building out a brand? It's, it's not about how big or small you are. It's about that same mindset. You can't be small and have a small mindset. 
You can be small, but you still got to have that mindset of a big company. And you got to approach it the same way that, listen, my marketing and my branding are going to pay off. I have to invest in it so that I get this payoff later. The amount that you invest is what differs between being big, medium, or small. But the mindset does not differ. You have to approach branding first, marketing first, so that you have the name, right? We spoke about Cronkadon. If you hear the words cash is trash, you know exactly who that is, mm-hmm. right? You know exactly. You don't, nobody needs to say anything about 10x or Cron. No, you know exactly who that is. That is what you have to focus on. What is it that makes you and your brand unique? And what is it that people are going to remember you for? And that is what you have to focus on. You have to understand what it is that you are looking to get and who those people are, and then build out a unique value proposition to them. You have to be unique. That is, everybody talks about being authentic online, but very few people actually are. They see, they look at what's working and then they try and copy it. But if somebody else comes along and they start, yeah, she's trash, you're like, you're just copying this guy. So you've got to now find, you can take the same mindset and you know, whatever he's saying, but you've got to find another, you know, click by the word to kind of use so that you be, you can be associated with it. And that is important. I don't think a lot of people take that time to focus on what is it that my business is? Who is it trying to speak to? And what's the best way to speak to them? Jeez, yeah. Yeah, man, I like it. So, the, so kind of what Mike, is, Mike was talking about and what you guys are both talking about, that the investment doesn't have to necessarily be monetary, right? I mean, it could, you can put a, a, a huge investment in the time. How, how, what do you recommend um, if you're starting off on a budget, if you're just starting, right? You don't, you clearly don't have, have the money, right? Have enough money. So you, you've got to invest the time. What are the things that you, they, that you recommend they be doing to actually build that brand and how they actually go about doing that? So I'm glad you touched on time because I think that is the other big obstacle for the real estate and finance mindset, right? That mindset means that you need to optimize everything that you do. You need to automate so that you can, you know, be passively involved. When it comes to branding and marketing, that's the exact opposite of what you need to be doing. You cannot have somebody else run your brand for you. You have got to show up. You have got to be out there talking on the YouTube videos, on the Instagram. You have to be front of mind. You can't have, like I see uh, a lot of people right now, they understand that it's important to have real content on Instagram, but they don't want to film themselves. So they pay somebody else to film the reels for them. But the thing is, they are not building an attachment with you and your brand and what you are saying. They're just seeing somebody else. There. That person does not relate to you and your brand and who you are and what you're saying, right? And that mindset of, I have to optimize everything. I have to automate so that I'm as little involved as possible is counterintuitive to building a sustainable personal brand. And that's the hard part. That's, that is the hard part. So, so with that in mind, right, knowing a lot of real estate investors are trying to optimize their time and which they have very little of, right? Cause they're half doing the side hustle thing that we, we talked about uh, earlier as well. Where do you recommend investing the little time that they actually do have to optimize it the best way? Or is it, Hey, you just can't do it at all. Either, either focus on the brand and or focus on the business generating enough income until you can, you know, kind of take the Grant Cardone route because that's exactly what he did. Worked on his business hard, 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 hard. Started generating money, generating money, generating money, and then he was because he had the, his money and he had his passive investments. Now he has enough, plenty of time to literally just. That's literally what he focuses on right now. Only content creation, getting in front of the camera. He has the has the camera crew doing everything. You know. Uh, uh, capturing everything he's doing and, and has them putting out the brand. So what, what, how do you go with that? You know, like what, which way to go with that? It's not that you don't need to optimize what you do, optimize everything else, right? So if you're spending five hours a week cooking, maybe optimize somebody, you know, get a meal prep company or get somebody to cook for you. Those are the things that you can optimize the things that don't relate to your brand so that you have that time. Right. If you side hustling, okay, how much of that side hustle is taking up your time? 
right? Look at that side hustle, break it down and see, listen, okay, maybe if I had a transaction, I could leave that to them. Maybe if I have an assistant, I can leave this to them. Focus on being able to free up your time for branding. Don't focus on trying to automate the branding because you can automate everything else around you, but you can't automate that. Because, and that is the problem that I see a lot of people focus on trying to automate that part of it and then it falls flat because it's not an authentic brand. Nobody wants to really communicate with you. You're not addressing the view. Maybe you have like 2K views on a video, but nobody's built a relationship with you. Nobody's built this connection with you. And that connection is what is going to be able to allow you to leverage all your other businesses. Because if you have 2,000, 3,000 people that have built a connection with you and they care about everything that you personally do, that means anything you do, they'll be invested in. Mm -hmm. So you can't automate your branding, but you can automate everything else around it. Right? If you know it takes you eight hours to edit a video, okay, you can automate that, but you can't automate the filming of the video. Don't try and pass that off. And that's a mistake that I'm seeing a lot of people make. They understand the need to have that kind of content out there, but they don't want to be the face of it. And by not being the face of it, they are creating a brand that nobody cares about. So at the end of the day, they've wasted that time and that if we're trying to automate something that shouldn't be automated, by focusing on trying to automate that, you lose. So you already have to go in with a mindset of I'll automate everything else around it, but that is the one thing I have to show up for. This this is a perfect example of the uh, the eighty twenty principle. If you guys have not heard of the eighty twenty principle, essentially twenty percent of your activities uh, 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 result in eighty percent of the results. I know I messed it up, but you guys understand the concept. Basically, saying that eighty percent of what you guys do day to day only actually produces twenty percent of the results. So when uh, just to, to Wasim's point, when we're looking at a, a company and we coach this all the time to our agents, to our investors, is you have to make sure that you identify your 20% where your time and energy is actually required. Maybe that's not deal analysis. Maybe it's the negotiation, right? Maybe, maybe it's okay. Maybe it is the deal analysis because you have a, uh, an ISA in, inbound sales agent or another person making calls. Right. Something you got to figure out where your time is and energy is best spent. And so what Wasim is saying is you need to figure out that, hey, your 20 percent is going to be in branding. And I think this is something that we, we kind of inherently know. But I mean, uh, guys, I'm going to be honest, be transparent. Wasim shits on us all the time. He's like, Mike, Dan, do this. And we're like, yeah, no, man. But, you know, it's automated. Right? <laughs> and this is something that we struggle with. Like we know it. And I think this is just, this is even refreshing for us because now this is going to air and we can't say we didn't hear it. <laughs> we got proof. But this is good stuff, guys. Keep that in mind, man. Uh, you got to identify your 20% for sure. Yeah, man. So the, you're 100% right. And you guys wouldn't, uh, all the offline conversation that we've had over the what, like year, two, couple of years we've been working together, man. Like, um, Hey, Wazim, Wazim has kind of went into us a couple of times like, hey, you guys need to need to make some more videos. Hey, where's the videos at, guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Let's talk about that a little bit. Right. Um, how has it been? Because because you may you you mainly focus on real estate clients and knowing that. Right. Like just just us. I mean, prime example. How has it been trying to to I guess relay that and flip that mindset for real estate investors? And what have you seen work um, work the best? I think just being transparent. So I'll get on a call a lot of the times, and people will be like, "Listen, my social media isn't where it needs to be, or my YouTube channel isn't where it needs to be. I want like ten thousand subscribers and this amount." And I'm like, "No, I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen for you." you are not currently putting in the amount of time and effort in order to get there. And until such a time that you can put that time and effort in, you're not going to get that result. So by being super upfront about it, it's like, what do you want? If you want this result, this is what it's going to take. If not, it's not going to happen. Well, I think. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. 
but but can I just buy 10,000 subscribers? Can I just like buy like some likes and some shares and stuff like that? What, what's, what's wrong with that, man? Why, why can't I do this thing? I mean, everybody else is doing it, right? Like they got, they post pictures and they have like 20,000 subscribers and one like. I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I think I think that's a, that's a great question, right? And to be transparent, like so that people realize it will cost you about $80 to buy 10,000 followers, right? And that's probably more expensive. You could probably get it for cheaper. And the reason you don't want to do that is you have both no audience. You have both no connection with anybody that cares about what you do. So every time you, you've got 10,000 followers on Instagram, now you launch a YouTube channel and then you have zero views on your YouTube channel. That's because nobody cares about it, right? Trying to buy, your way to the top is never going to work. And what I don't think a lot of people understand is that these platforms are governed by algorithms. The algorithm understands that you bought your followers. So it already knows that you don't have the engagement to support the numbers that you are showing. Therefore, even those 10 people that do follow you that are real won't even see your content. So there's no value. I say this a lot, like in, in trying to game the system, they play themselves because now the system's working against them. You know, it, it literally works against you now that you did this. You said it, but in trying to game the system, you play yourself. Ah, unfortunately, ah. right? And that is why a lot of these platforms, like if you look at YouTube, they don't just count views, they also look at watch hours. Now you can fake the views, you can't fake the watch hours. And that is what actually produces the income and the revenue for you. So you can have a video with 100,000 views if people watch one second of that, which is how these bots operate. It's one second of the video, it's 10 minutes of views. Like nobody cares. You're not going to make a cent off of that, right? So building up an authentic presence online, yes, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money, but that is how you gain real leverage. Right? If you look at any of these like celebrities or big time influences, everything they do now has a certain value to it because they spent that time building up the core base and those people will support them no matter what they do. And that is when you truly have the freedom to go about and do anything you want. You want to you promote your favorite charity? Boom. There's 100,000 people that are going to donate to that charity simply because you want to promote it. You want to start a YouTube channel or a podcast or a company, but there's 100,000 people that are now going to support you because you've built up an authentic relationship with them. And that, I think, is something that gets lost for a lot of people because they get stuck on the numbers. Now, Instagram used to have the swipe up, and you needed 10K followers in order to get that swipe up feature, right? So anybody who wanted to have a shop on Instagram or a brand that sells something, they just bought the 10K followers. But now the whole purpose of your brand is to sell something, for people to see it, your product, and then buy that product. But because you bought 10,000 followers, nobody sees that product, so now you've just wasted the money. But now, not only have you wasted the money, but you've damaged your reputation, so now you've got to start over. You have to understand that these algorithms update every day, and they make big changes that, without you knowing, affects you consistently, right? There's a big change that's happening right now on Instagram, for example. We, they are playing ads on IGTV, right? Now, in the next month, a lot of people are going to start complaining about being shadow banned and being like censored and demonetized or whatever. But the fact is the algorithm is now going to start favoring longer form content. So if you are still doing the same thing that you've been doing for the last year and making short 30 second reels, that content is now going to be shown to less people. It's not personal. It's an algorithmic choice. And by not understanding that that is what governs the results that you get, you run into these issues where people feel like they have to fake it. Now they have to go buy followers and these like coaches and gurus and whoever else will now prey on that and tell you, listen, you've lost this much of your audience. We can get it back for you. Mm. But if you educate it and you understand and you know what's happening in the background, you can always play to the, the strengths and what the algorithm requires of you. 
I think that's extremely important, guys, because, you know, we always talk about understanding the rules, the foundation, how things work, so you learn how to navigate it, right? And that's exactly what Wasim is talking about. Once you understand the algorithm, it's like, all right, cool. Now you know what I can optimize? I can optimize my content because I know what the algorithm is saying. I know who's engaging with me. I know what my audience wants to see. So now instead of making a thousand videos, I make a hundred videos specific to my audience, right? Now you've just optimized it there, but you have to know it in order to do that. And, and to Wasim's point here, you know, think about if you slowly build to 10,000, 20,000, 30, 40, 50, all the way to a hundred. And let's just say that's a solid following. And everything you produce now, at least 1% of your following engages or buys or anything like that. Just 1%. Guys, we struggle for 1% conversion on, on yellow letters, uh, right? Or direct mails or cold calls. Our 1% conversion is like, please, can I have it? If we can get 1% on Instagram or on social media and we sold something for 500 bucks a piece, if we have 10,000 followers, that's 100 people that bought 500, that's $500,000. Do you guys see how the delayed satisfaction of building that brand over six, seven, eight years that can be recouped in a short amount of time when you have that audience engaged? I, I mean, it's something that it's, the more you say it and the way that you've articulated during this interview, it's, it's really, you know, I, I knew, I inherently knew it. But now it's like, damn, I know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I got it. Now, I did want to back up a little bit because I, this is a question that I've always struggled with mentally, personally. And then all, when people ask me, I don't really know how to guide them. You went back and you said there's two real things that people need to focus on, building out your brand and then being unique and authentic. All right, well, what, what are some tips, tricks, strategies, tests, anything that you have in mind where somebody can help identify their unique value? I think understanding that you have to approach this from a business perspective, right? Any business that wants to enter into the market, they need to understand the USP. They need to understand what makes their business unique to their target audience, right? And until such a time that they have that identified they don't have a valuable proposition in a business sense. And that is how people need to approach their personal brand as well. Mm -hmm. Until such a time that you have something valuable to add to the conversation, you don't have a brand. So the best thing that you could do to build your brand is to focus on what is going to make you successful. Right? There are so many people, they, they put their head down three, four years, building out their brand, building out their company, whatever is going to make them successful. Then they only start talking about it. Right? You see this a lot like in fitness. Nobody wants to take advice from the guy that's starting the fitness journey. But the guy that's already 9% body fat, yo, okay, we'll take all the advice from him. Right? So if you know in your mind that, listen, I want to become a fitness influence or I want to have a brand in this market. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is just focus on that. Focus on the work itself, not the brand and the marketing. Because sometimes you need to first have that value proposition before you can brand and market it. And a lot of people try and do the two things at once and they never really take off on either one. I like a that. sound a sound advice. That's very and I think that's that's the struggle is because um, everybody feels like, I think we all feel like we need to have some kind of social media presence, right? Regardless of where we're at in our journey, just like you said, whether we have the, the value proposition or not, because um, sometimes there's value in like showing the journey, right? Uh, oftentimes there's value in showing, hey, look, I'm skinny and I'm going to just keep showing you how I'm getting yoked this entire time. You know what I mean? So I'm finally at that 9% body fat and, you know, 200 pounds of just straight muscle or whatever, using using your example. Um, but I think that that is a struggle. That's one of the key struggles of um, of this whole thing is uh, when it comes to marketing and branding, but at the same time wanting to complete your journey or you're in the beginning of your journey at the same time. Um, I think that is the, that is a key struggle. And I think that that is the problem with social media and marketing online is that because that journey takes so long, right? You know, for a fact that if you want to do this properly, it's going to be a long journey for you to get from like, you know, skinny whale to like chat. Now you've got to start looking for shortcuts. 
because nobody, you, you want to monetize from day one and you want to get the results right now and you want to be seen and you want to have the blue check mark and everything. And that is where the problems start arising by trying to shorten that journey. And a lot of people have become experts in selling the idea that that journey can be shortened. And that is a problem with online. Like to give you an example, I start the Instagram account, right? I hire a virtual assistant. Every single day, their job is to post real estate memes, right? Everybody loves memes. They're gonna engage with it. They love the content. Every single day, three times a day for the next year. At the end of the year, I've got maybe 100,000 people following the account. They love this content that I'm putting out. It's a real audience. It's an engaged audience. It's a niche audience. They're all real estate. They like the memes. Year two, every third post now, instead of just posting memes, every third post is an informational post from me personally. Right? Now, now I start building out my own authority. I start adding in a little few snippets here so that the people that are liking the memes, they're also seeing this content and they're understanding, oh, this is the person behind the account. Right? Now I start building up an authority. I do that for another year. Year three, I archive all the memes. I've built up now, probably say 400,000. I've built up an engaged audience in a niche specific to the one that I want to be in. And now because of the every third post that you did for the last year, I have a track record of posting content and showing that I've done this and I've built this. Year three, now instead of posting memes, every post is about me and my journey. All of a sudden, oh, listen, you look how I grew my following in a year. You can do the same. Here's my course on how to do it, right? And it's when you don't know that this, the long game, some people will take that long con because they know they can monetize that. Again, that branding and that marketing, they already know that, listen, by year three, I'm going to have an engaged massive audience that I can now monetize and I can use the success and monetize that as well. And I don't think a lot of people realize how many people built that because that is now not cheating by buying your followers or buying your engagement. That's putting the work in to build that authentic, engaged, real audience. But now year three, it's a little different story. Yo, that's so <laughs> slick, man. <laughs> that is so slick. And, and, and it's crazy you say that because I've been seeing a lot of that lately. Like, I followed people, you know, about a year ago and I literally see exactly that where it was just memes at one point or it was just like small posts at one point. And now I'm starting to see like a random dude in there like, bro, who are you? <laughs> you know, yeah. That's yep. crazy. Yeah. They, they, it's funny you say that because um, there's I mean, now that you said it and articulated <laughs> that way in the real estate community, if you guys aren't following him already, there's one called Actually Agents. Um, and then there's another one called mortgage memes, same damn thing, guys. They're just putting memes in. It's great content. I mean, I follow them. I love it. Right. But, uh, it, it, it's like when you pull the veil back, you can now start to see things that you didn't know existed before. Right. It's like the truth is here. Right. But, but damn. If I start doing memes, y'all don't judge me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> slick stuff, slick stuff. Hey man, so uh, we'll start. We, we're starting to wrap up. Starting to wrap up a little bit. Um, and and I love. We didn't really talk too too much about the intricacies of your business and how you really biz, uh, how you really built it. We we really we really uh, talked a lot about the mindset and the importance of marketing, which I love. It's a great conversation. But I, I want to um, kind of bring it back to you know how how give give some people some like action steps to possibly building out something similar. I mean, we, and we didn't even touch on like, hey, you got how many full-time employees, like five full-time employees and like a bunch of part-time employees. Like you have a yeah. legit business now. Total team is now at 12 by the 1st of October. A legit business with hundreds nice. of clients, right? And we didn't really talk about the intricacies of that. Maybe we'll have to do that, you know, in, in another episode, bring you back on. But 
Um, let's say someone out there is trying to, let's say we got some service members that want to kind of kind of dabble in this space and possibly bring in some additional income because this show is about cash flow, right? Military cash flow and how you can supplement your income, right? Um, or there's maybe we, we got some military spouses out there that are interested and then love taking videos and stuff like that and editing videos. Uh, can you give us some advice or some quick action steps on how someone um, can do what you what you've what you've created? I think uh, it's going to be a little hard for me to give that advice, knowing that I didn't follow it. Right. So for me, I I approached it from the mindset of I'm not a salesman; I'm a manufacturer. Right. And I only focused instead of focusing on providing like sales and getting more clients, I focused on building out something that provides extreme value for my clients, right? So by the time that you get to me, you've already been told, okay, this is the person that you should be working with, right? So I don't need to actually focus on sales and getting more clients. Uh, if, if you think about it like this, in using a car analogy, right? I think a lot of people online, they're like car salesmen, trying to get you in the door. And then, okay, you came here looking for a Toyota. Now they're gonna try and upsell you with this deluxe package and this insurance and this and this, and like continuously upsell to get the most out of you as possible, right? My approach has been that I'm just going to build the best car ever so that when you decide that you want the best driving experience, like a Porsche, for example, all you need is to have made the decision that you want this experience. Now my job is to deliver on that experience, to make sure that you get the best car and the best driving experience possible. That builds your loyalty to the Porsche brand. Now you go out and tell everybody, listen, you better get a Porsche. Yeah. Best thing, best decision I've ever made in my life was getting a Porsche. You need one too. So I never had to focus on sales and like upselling and trying to get people in through the door and lead generation and marketing. I never spent a cent on marketing. My own personal social media is absolutely trash. Your previous guest, you know, episode 101 last week absolutely told me a new one about that. You know, I, I never focused on my own social media. I just focused on providing value. And by providing that value, I've been able to build the business. Right? I love it, man. By focusing on being the manufacturer, that automatically gave me a different subset of clients and a way of doing business. But I don't think that everybody can go down that route. So basically, uh, Lamborghini doesn't market, right? And there's a reason for that because right. they don't need to. Everybody knows like Lamborghini is that is that dude. So Wazim is, Lamb Wazim is the Lamborghini essentially, right? Let's say Porsche, let's say Porsche. And that is again about focusing on being the best at creating something. So if you wanted to get started, then educate yourself as much as possible on how social media works, understand the intricacies of all these different algorithms and platforms, and understand that all this information is actually freely available online. It's not hidden in some course or some coaching call or some value ad. Instagram has a blog. Every single thing you need to know about that platform is on that blog. YouTube has a blog. Every single thing you need to know about being successful on that platform is on the blog. The same goes for every other platform. These platforms want you to succeed because your success is their success. Right? They want people to continuously come back to YouTube. So they want good creators creating great content on the platform that understand how the platform works and gives the platform what they want. It's not hidden in some course. Educate yourself by understanding that, look, this information is out there and that's where I think step one is just to educate yourself because the more educated you are, the first client that you get, you need to come with all that education, bring it, show, show the value that you can bring to them and from there kind of snowballs. And I love or, the fact that you highlighted uh, the value first, man, because um, 
if you realize, like you mentioned, Lamborghini doesn't market like that. Porsche doesn't market like that. Hublot doesn't market like that, right? All these people don't, don't really push, push, push um, because they get referrals. They've already built that value, right? And you'll see, especially in the real estate world, guys, there's so many opportunities for you to just mention or ask for a referral. Or if you do a good enough job, people are going to be like, damn, this person helped me sell my house when I was just about to go into foreclosure. He saved my ass or she saved my ass. Look, you're going through the same thing. Give this dude a call. Give this girl a call. It's the same concept, right? So now you can apply that uh, to, to social media too, man. I love that. All right. So now you dropped all of these nuggets, man, on building your brand and doing all this good stuff. You know, everybody, this is now our referral platform. Everybody's about to call you, reach out to you. How can they find you? And they can just uh, email me. So it's Wasim, W-A-S-E-E-M, at DTL.agency. I think that's the best way to get in contact with me. Uh, if you look at me on social media, you, you probably <laughs> and I won't find that. <laughs> but uh, that's actually like literally today after this, I'm going to go record a couple of reels uh, because I was, you know, like I said, talking to <laughs> He's talking so, talk about Shelby, y'all. Shelby Osborne. She told me about clowning his ass. <laughs> you gotta take your own advice, man. You out there, you out there sending us messages like talking about Mike and Dan. Where's the videos? Mike and Dan, where's the videos? Yeah. Not taking videos. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm about to start uh, cranking out the social media content. Just you know, nice. Keep up with you guys. So yeah. <laughs> Nice. I love it, man. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Hey, it's been an uh, absolute awesome time having you on, um, officially getting you on, on this podcast because uh, everybody knows you. They've heard, they've heard your name enough times, man. We've shouted you out enough times across many different platforms. So to finally put a put a uh, face to the name, um, I'm pretty sure it's uh, pretty refreshing for some of those out there listening. So that's good stuff. Um, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. You got anything else? Any last words? No, thanks for having me on and you know feel free to reach out like if you just want advice or you need you're struggling with your social media marketing or whatever it's an open door honestly excellent excellent well with that said this is dan win and mike glasby signing off